0: If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter uh, 6. We're going to be finishing up Jesus' Sermon on the Plain, or more literally, Sermon on the Flat Spot. And uh, I'm going to read the text uh, together here at the top, and then we'll, we'll jump in. Jesus said, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and puts them into practice is like the man who's built his house on ground with a foundation. The one who who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built it without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete." What kind of legacy do you want to leave? Like, what difference do you want to make? What mark do you want to leave on this world through your life? Uh, Jesus here is is speaking very much into that. And as we conclude this series that we're talking about, cross-current living, he kind of goes against the current, if you will, in terms of how our culture often thinks about this. We live in an area that is known for making a difference. In fact, many people come here to the Silicon Valley to, quote, change the world. And a lot of how our culture talks about it, it seems to me, are are ways like find your passion. Maximize your opportunities. Go out and get it. I mean, not at the expense of others, but but go out and get it. But here, Jesus says, he shows us to really live a good life and to leave a lasting, worthy legacy in a way that's probably far bigger than we could even think or plan for on our own. and, And do it with health and stability or peace, avoiding pitfalls that, that are sure to arise, and, 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 and to do it in such a way where we can, we can do it over the long haul, Jesus says, I want you to consider two things with me. I want you to consider trees, and I want you to consider builders. So that's what we're going to unpack today, kind of the lessons from this metaphor of trees that he, he shares and this parable of, of builders, okay? Okay. So first, let's look at the metaphor of trees that he talks about. Let me read it again, because I know we just, we just read it, but let's, let's get it back into it. So no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings out evil things from the evil stored up in his heart. Here's what I think Jesus is saying when it comes to living a good life and, and trying to leave a, a lasting, worthy legacy. He's saying character is key. Character is just so important. Notice he says trees will bear fruit. So it's not like he's saying, okay, good trees will bear good fruit and bad trees, well, they won't really bear any fruit. or whatever. No, he's saying trees going to bear fruit. And the only question is what type of fruit are they going to bear? Have you ever known someone in your life just over you've seen the trajectory or at least been with them long enough to kind of see this happen who has just gone out and just accomplished a lot, just taken a lot of ground either in the workplace or in the community, whatever the case might be, only to in their wake leave a path of like pain and ugliness or something like that. They achieved a lot but there's just a wake of like destruction so to speak. I f- unfortunately had a few friends that I know that that's been the case. I was talking to somebody uh, two weeks ago, a Christian entrepreneur, middle-aged, uh, and got to hear some of his story. And he's a he's a he's a kind of guy where just looking at him, just kind of like getting his posture, is like you know, his, just looking at him, you could tell that he had experienced a lot of life. Okay, he's middle-aged, but you could tell he he had been through some things, even without really sharing much. You could just kind of tell, and in he, hearing his story, I found out that he had published a book in his 20s that just shot to the top of the bestseller list. Just, just, you know, just went through the ceiling right away. He just was just making a lot of money from it. Just, you know, he, he, he wrote out of a passion area of his, his expertise, even at the age of, of 20. And he just was, was living the life. But he quickly added, and it was terrible for me. I wasn't ready for it. I said, what, what do you mean? He said, well, I, without even realizing it, it went to my head. I became kind of this know-it-all, not only in the circles of like kind of pushing this book, but also kind of like in my own personal life. And, you know, I just, I just ended up burning a lot of bridges, going down some paths and, and patterns and behaviors in my life that just weren't good. And I was just asking about it. I said, you know, if, if you were able to do it again, would you, would you do it again? He said, absolutely not. He said, well, wait a minute. Maybe I would but if I had more life experience under, no, I wouldn't want to do it. And then he said this because my character wasn't ready. And frankly, he added, I'm not sure it would be ready even today. It was just, it was just too much. Now this guy is obviously kind of an extreme example here, right? And this guy just, you know, went after something, accomplished something. And it just like, you know, uh, famine to feast type deal. Uh, I think what's really helpful in understanding what Jesus is saying, teaching through this metaphor of trees, is the fact that it's going to happen, though. You might not be like that guy, and the the fruit just kind of produces, springs up overnight. You might be like most trees, and that is it takes time. Over a season, over a period of of years, the fruit comes up, but it's going to come up, is Jesus' point. Character is key. We've got to be thinking about this. It says, again, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. I wonder if for some of you, you're so pursuing the platform in your life, having greater platform, but I wonder if what you ought to be considering more or giving more attention to is not so much the platform but the person you're becoming, thinking about character, thinking about who you are. Let me think about it and let's think about it in in these terms. If in what you're pursuing, whatever that might be, which by the way, this text is not saying don't go out and pursue things. It's not teaching that. But if in what you're pursuing, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in the community, whatever the place might be, if in pursuing that, how's your marriage? How are your relationships in the workplace? If you're a follower of Christ, how's your relationship with God? Is he front and center or is he more peripheral? Notice Jesus also calls out specifically the importance of our words. In verse 45, he said, For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. We could think of that this way. What we say reveals who we are. Have you ever thought of it that way? What we say reveals who, who we are? What we say is like kind of letting the world know who we are. I wonder what it would feel like if tomorrow we knew a recording of everything we ever said was made available to anybody to listen to. It's like, ooh it seems to me that we find out more of who we are by the words that we say in private than when around other people wouldn't you say oh, that's that's true it just it reveals who we are i wonder if you've ever known somebody where maybe this happens at the at the subconscious level but you've been around them and maybe later on like maybe later on in the day at night you're like kind of processing and you're thinking oh my goodness the way that they were talking about that other person when they weren't there makes me kind of feel like I probably shouldn't share who I am or what I'm thinking about, at least in terms of the important things, in, in fear of they might share that with others in the same light. Or may, the reverse can be true. Maybe you, you know somebody who is is really caring and kind and respectful of sharing opinions about others when those people aren't there. Maybe especially when they disagree, they just share it in such a light that you're like, oh, you know, I can share with this person. Like there's there's credibility there, there's, there's, there's trust. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Our words have the real power to build others up, and our words have the real power to tear people down. Uh, This could be its own sermon, okay? But in light of what Jesus is saying here, he's saying character is key, and a key part of that is our words. So what are we saying? How are we saying it? In public, in private? If you're feeling really brave, you can ask someone who's close to you how you're doing on that front, but be careful, (laughs) Uh, One of the things I like to do from time to time when I'm decompressing is watch YouTube. I don't know if anybody else does this. And it's kind of this interesting phenomenon where I think I'm searching for things, but eventually it becomes like the algorithm is deciding for me what I'm watching. Like I feel like I might be in one of those places, but what I've been watching or actually more listening to, even though it's video format, are these famous quotations of famous people of yesteryear. I don't know how I got into this, but it's just like how I've been decompressing. It's so like Mark Twain, uh, Albert Einstein, Abraham Lincoln. I mean, it's just, you know, those, those kind of folks. And I'm, so I'm listening to all these quotes. I mean, each of, them have, each, each of these videos has a bunch of these quotes, and they're very thought-provoking. But one of the things that r- has really struck me is just about every single one of these famous people who have accomplished a lot or whatever have all said something like, it is better to live a good life and accomplish very little than live a bad life and accomplish a lot. Uh, Jesus said it in his own way at one point. He said, what good is it to gain the whole world and yet forfeit our souls? Something I have uh, learned and I've I've even observed uh, over the years as a pastor is the the things that people tend to talk most about on their their deathbed or ruminate on um, can include accomplishments and things like that, but it's almost exclusively or at least the majority of what they're thinking about are relationships, people. And you know what? Our society doesn't really talk about that. Even as I think, I would imagine, a lot of us here resonate, understand intuitively that, that that's really important. Jesus says character is key. When it comes to living a good life and leaving a lasting, good, worthy legacy, character is key. You want, you want to produce good fruit? You want to live a good life? Think about character. Okay, well, how do we do that then? Well, Jesus gives us this parable of the builders. And parable is really a word that means a spiritual story with a lesson. We say that in verses 46 through 49. He begins this by saying, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Now, real quickly, Jesus in this sermon on the plain is talking to two groups of people. Okay, if you're here on the first Sunday when we started this series, we saw back in verse uh, 17 of chapter 6, when he gets, gets ready to kind of start the sermon, that there's two groups of people. One, there are people quote, who are known as, quote, disciples of his. That is, people in the crowd who were in with Jesus, followers of his. They were, okay, I'm, I'm committed. And then there are also people who are just kind of there... Checking things out. Okay, we, can, we can say they were seekers or just trying to figure things out. So those are people who weren't committed to following Jesus. They weren't like identified as his follower, but, but they were there. With these words, Jesus is pressing into his followers. He's saying, if, if you're a follower of mine, I'm speaking especially to you. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Uh, Jesus is saying here, it seems to me, when it comes to living a good life and leaving a worthy legacy, we must obey God's word. We must hear his words and put them into practice. For those who hear my words and put them into practice, they will be building their lives on a strong foundation, he says. But those who think that they're followers of mine, they hear my words, do not put them into practice. They're like the builder who builds essentially without a foundation. And when the storm comes, it's not going to go too well. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, Jesus said, and do not do the things that I say? I think one of the ways we can think about this is, we can't as followers of his pick and choose what we want to do and not do that he sets up for us we can't we can't pick and choose if he's lord and so then the question becomes okay when perhaps we don't understand why it is he asks us to do certain things will we follow so let me use a very provocative example sex outside marriage okay jesus and the scriptures teach about saving sex for within marriage now, in, a, in our culture today, and imagine in a room like this, everybody agrees, okay, sex outside marriage when it comes to like an extramarital affair, okay, I get that. I understand how that is not good, that's not right, it has its effects and all that sort of thing. But premarital sex, that's something our culture, I think, does not see eye to eye with the scriptures, does not uh, find popular or it's not well-received, which is fascinating, by the way, because there are plenty of cultures around the world today that do find that to be something well-received. It is a popular thought in different, different cultures, but not in ours. So the question then becomes, if we're followers of Jesus, what do we do about that? How do we hold it? Do we, do we go, okay, you know what, I'm going to follow that? Or do we go, you know what, when it comes to this teaching, mm, I don't know. I think I'm going I'm to do it my way. I think I'm going to just, you know, either because the culture thinks that it's okay or, or just because I, I'm feeling this way or just I don't want to think about it. I'm just going to go ahead and, and do it. Look, the Bible doesn't teach saving sex for marriage because it's prudish about sex. In fact, the Bible is anything but prudish about sex. And if you look at the whole book of Song of Solomons, there are some words in there that even our English translators kind of balked at in terms of how spicy it is in the original Hebrew language. I'm serious. There's words in the original Hebrew language that our English translator, at least in this and a few of the good translations we'll use from time to time here at, at current, uh, weren't translated like directly because it's almost as if the translators were like, that shouldn't be in the Bible. We can't put that in the Bible. But the Hebrew Bible is more of the Bible. It's, it's like, it's, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's, the Bible is not prudish about sex. It, when it talks about between husband and, and wife, so then why does it teach it, you know, to, this way? What, what is going on there? I mean, there's, this is not the sermon, but, the, but just to unpack this and think about why it's there. When God instituted sex with, between husband and wife, there in the Garden of Eden, he said very famously, husband and wife will leave their parents, they'll cleave to one another, and they will become, quote, one flesh. Now it's a very ancient, rich Hebrew term that doesn't just refer to the physical, Okay. We know this because God also used that very same term to describe his relationship with his followers. So for instance, in his union with people who are followers of his, okay, God has a very intimate relationship with his followers. So when it says it that way, the two will become one flesh. What is he saying? Sex in the Bible is saying, I belong completely, exclusively, and permanently to you. And that can only be said that way within marriage, And when we say it that way, oh my goodness, it is incredibly valuable and incredibly rich. But we can't say that outside of marriage. We just can't. And so at least as the Bible sees it, when we do that, we are devaluing the intimacy and the connection that God intends for us to have in that expression. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I say? Let's use a far less provocative example here. We are called to forgive others. Okay, Just use another example. That's a teaching that I think our society, on the whole, does well receive. Wouldn't you say? Hey, forgiveness, extending grace to other people—that's wonderful. We can get on board as a society on that. Incidentally, a lot of the very same cultures that well, that receive well what I just talked about earlier with premarital sex do not receive this all that well. Similar cultures in the world today actually are repulsed at this idea that you'd have to forgive others. You got to be kidding me! No way. Our culture, on the other hand, okay, we, we probably on the whole think that's a good concept. We probably on the whole personally think that's a good concept. When we need forgiveness ourselves, where we have the trouble where we might pick and choose is when we are called to forgive others who have hurt us. Wouldn't you say? When someone's really deeply wounded us or hurt us, then it's like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I, want, I can forgive this person. Or maybe there's a a pattern, and hey, we're not saying you just like you know there's no consequences, you don't work it out, and all that sort of thing. But when it comes to our heart forgiving, why is that? Why would God call us to forgive one another? Why? It's not just because. C.S. Lewis very famously said, uh, "In choosing not to forgive someone, it's like drinking poison and waiting and watching for the other person to die." God understands that we not only need to receive forgiveness. We need to offer forgiveness. Like, it is also good for our souls. Otherwise, we might be in a jail of our own making, in a sense, with bitterness and resentment and and anger and all that sort of thing. God wants to free us from that. So, okay, those are just two examples. Obviously, the Bible has a lot to say about many things that God cares about us and as as he thinks about us. And wants us to kind of live in light as we hear his words and, and put them into practice. And what Jesus is saying, as we do those things, we will build on a firm foundation. It'll, it'll go well for us, even if we don't understand. But here's something we got we can't miss in this text. Christ followers, I want you to please like, listen into this especially. We are not just to follow Jesus because it'll go well for us. Because it'll be a nice, firm foundation. We should follow him because he is Lord. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? Now, it's helpful to understand why he calls us to do certain things a certain way and understand the effects of that and why we're, say, designed that way and why it'll go better for relationships if we do those. It's helpful in all that, but ultimately, Jesus says, why are you calling me Lord, Lord if you don't? Because when we pick and choose or we just decide, ah, I'm just going to do it this way, at the end of the day, we're saying, you're not Lord, I'm Lord. We're not treating God as God. So sometimes we just need to... Follow him and understand. It's not to say we turn our blind eye to like the, the rationale. No, that's good. But ultimately, it's like, are we following him for, for him? Uh, you know, I, I was thinking about it this past week. There has been so many times down the years growing up when my dad was teaching me things that I just wish I had listened. <laughs> I didn't understand why, or I just kind of like bucked him and it's like, no, no, no. I mean, it would have gone so much better, even though I didn't understand it, if I had just listened to my dad. And vice versa, when I, you know, a few times I did listen and, I, and it went well for me and I didn't realize why or how and it did. And now I'm like on the flip side of being a dad and I'm like, okay, I see how this works. It's like, okay. So like with my little ones, the example that came to my mind with my little ones is, uh, you know, just, just, I feel like I'm constantly on this path to teach them how to check both ways before you cross the street. It's like, please, like, learn to check both. When they're especially little, when they're especially little, it's like, man, you, you get your heart rate going up. if They don't; they just run in the street. There's this little, uh, there's this school with this parking lot, that, I mean, ironically for being a school, super dangerous. It's like, you know, the parking lot itself was busy, but then there was this little, like, the way it kind of curved and the street came, you had to cross it and you couldn't see behind it. Cars would just come around really fast. And it's like in front of a school of all places. So I'm always like, we're getting out of the car, like, wait, wait, don't go anywhere. Like, stay close. And then when we got to the street, this little cross section, I'd be like, okay, look both ways. And like, daddy, there's no cars. I'm like, try not to lose my patience. Like, that's not the point. (laughs) The point is when and if there's a car, we just need to be prepared for this. Oh, no, there's no car. Like, okay, you, guys, you need to like understand this is like all it takes is one car to come around and okay, and you know, I come out like when I'm picking them up and they don't check both ways. And I'm just like, oh no. One day there was a car. Thank God nothing happened. They didn't get hit, but I was close enough to be there. And I'm like, guys, in this teachable moment when you're freaked out, that car came real close to getting you. Can we talk about this? If my kids need to learn to trust and follow their Far from perfect daddy when they don't understand how much more ought we need to trust and follow our perfect heavenly father even when we don't quite get it all. Why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do the things that I say? God is for your good. He, he, he cares about you. And if he is God, if he's your creator and he cares that much for you, he, is, he has his word for the best for you and for me. And so we need to look to him, try to understand and, and receive what he has. So we can build our lives on good foundation. One more thought before we wrap things up. Notice in verse 48, it's Jesus said, when the flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it. It's not if, but when the storm came, when the storms come. Life is hard. Life is challenging uh, life is full of pain and suffering. Incidentally, when I've been watching these YouTube clips of these famous, you know, quotations or whatever from famous people, uh, that was another theme that really st- stood out. It's just the, the constant refrain of how life is just filled with more challenges than you tend to anticipate. Jesus is asking when, when the floods come, when they come, when the torrent hits, will our foundation be ready? Will it Will it hold? Character is key. We must obey God. I had coffee with someone uh, this week. It was really fun to kind of hear what they're going through, but, but it, ter- it turns out they're going through some hard times just really in the ringer with their work. Life is just like really coming hot and fast, and the way to kind of deal with it and how to deal with it is just really hard. We're talking really hard, so much so that I was reminded of a time in my life where it's like I was just in such the ringer myself that it felt, well, I, I was having health issues. And I was having, like, you know, heart palpitations. Like, I was just, my heart was going out to this individual. And I'm just like, okay. And what was really awesome as they were processing this is that they had such a strong foundation in the Lord. Uh, It wasn't kumbaya, everything's going to be okay type thought. But it's like, hey, this is hard. I don't know how it's going to work out. But God's God. He's going to work it out. I think that's what... God's calling us to. that. We need to be ready. That was a storm. We're going to have storms. Sometimes it's going to be a torrential rain. Sometimes it's going to be a hurricane. Who knows? But it's going to come. And when it comes, are our foundations built on rock? Which I think is really the key wording here. Because look at verse 48. Jesus says, they are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. That's a really uh, important word to kind of pull out here. Because Jesus is saying, in order to live a good life, leave a worthy legacy, character is key. We must obey God's word, but ultimately you need to build your foundation on the rock. Any serious reader or listener to Jesus' words here has to wrestle with the idea, oh my goodness, I can't do this. I mean, even the people with the best of character are going to not get it all, the way, all right all the time. Even the most committed follower of Jesus is going to not get it right all the time. I mean, not anywhere near. And you remember the first words of Jesus, this very same sermon, of this very same sermon, he said, blessed are the poor. And we talked about how that also has a spiritual connotation. Blessed are those who are so poor in their understanding of of their spiritual, you know, of of their spiritual state that they just understand and recognize a need for help specifically in Jesus, that we just, we can't do it in our own right. And you know what? That sentiment is also here in this text today, as Jesus talks about the fruit on the trees and the foundation of of the builders, when he says their foundation is built on rock. The Hebrew listeners, the original Hebrew listeners of that day would have understood those words for what they were in the biblical context. And those were words of the future Messiah, or in their case, present day Messiah. Listen to the book of Isaiah. This is the prophet Isaiah writing, 600 years plus before before Christ. This is talking about Messiah to come. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. Jesus is our cornerstone. Jesus is saying when we build our life on the foundation of him, our rock, He will help us through. He will help us live the good life. He will help us live a long-lasting legacy. Because when we mess up, which we will do, he offers forgiveness. And as we turn from the things that are not of him and, and with his help move in the direction, he will build our foundation on a solid rock. And then when you talk about the trees that bear fruit, listen to how he talks about himself Elsewhere, This is in John 15, 5. I am the vine, Jesus said, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. There it is again. We need to, to the extent we can look to and move towards Jesus, he will give us the strength to live a good life and leave, leave a long-lasting legacy. And if you're here today and you've never heard the good news or what the Bible calls the gospel of Jesus, it is that he has done this all for you. When he died on the cross after living the life that you and I couldn't live, he died the death that we deserve such that we can be brought back into a relationship with God himself. Receive the forgiveness of that and begin to live a new life built on his foundation, what he has done. You can receive that today. In fact, I want to give you an opportunity when we do communion together, you can, you can choose to do so then. And then for those of you who are followers of his receiving Jesus as your, as your cornerstone, building your life on him. Don't you see that that starts to give us real wonderful perspective in terms of leaving a long-lasting, wonderful legacy? It's talking about trees bearing fruit, fruit that not only blesses and nourishes us, but others and building a foundation that not only blesses and, and provides for us, but also blesses and provides for, for others, and ones that will last, a legacy that will last forever. You know, this teaching, again, doesn't go against what our world, our society says when it comes to going out and getting success. It's not saying, hey, don't do that or that is bad. It's not saying that. But it's saying as you do that, Silicon Valley Valley friends, like as you do that, just don't forget to focus on what truly matters. That is the character, the person you're becoming, not just the platform and the people around you, following God and, and his word. So this week, with his help uh, what does it look like to live with this understanding that character is key? You know, as you pursue whatever platform you're pursuing, are you also considering giving great care to the person you're becoming? And what about the words that you speak in public and in private, how you're saying them? And you know what's awesome about this, friends? It's like when you've messed up, maybe, maybe you've, you're thinking about that right now. I, I certainly have been doing that this week as I've been thinking about these challenging words. Jesus offers forgiveness. He offers grace. He wants to take you in his arms and say, yeah, I see that. I forgive you. And I love you. And I want to carry you. I want to build a f- from this. And then, as you think about living this week in light of obeying God's word, what might that look like for you? Now, this is obviously deeply personal. Okay. The Bible says a lot about different things that he calls us to and calls us not to. So where, where to start? Well, place to start is God gives us his Holy Spirit. When you put your faith in Jesus, the promise is he gives you your Holy Spirit. So does he, is he bringing anything to mind? Maybe ways that you haven't been following him? Maybe areas where you need to kind of rejigger and think. Maybe things that you've just been trying not to think about but you know are there. Maybe it's just something to, to bring to light with him and share with him and ask for forgiveness. God wants to build a strong foundation in you and through you. God wants to bear much life giving through in you and for you. He wants to help you last for the long haul and finish the race strong. He wants there to be a lasting legacy through you. And to the extent we look to Jesus as a rock, he will, the promise is he will do that. Now let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you do these things uh, for us, even as you invite the, us into them we confess that we do miss the mark f- far more often than, than we ought and we're so grateful that that's really at the heart of the gospel. I mean, even, even as we come to the table now, so to speak, and take communion together and we remember your sacrifice on the cross, we, we're so thankful that we, we, yes, we do recognize that character is key and obeying your word is so important, critically helpful. At the same time, we recognize that we, we missed that mark and so, Father, please forgive us. Forgive me for all the ways that I, I do that regularly, repeatedly, and ways that I know, ways that I don't know. Lord, would you help each of us turn to you when we do miss the mark and find strength in your rock of a foundation. Thank you that it's built not on what we can do or accomplish, but on what you have accomplished for us. Lord, we build on that. And Father, will you help us be a church that bears much fruit for the blessing of those here and those in our city and beyond. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.